You're listening to Good to Grow, a podcast for budding green thumbs. We'll dig into the fun, frustration, and science of growing your own food and flowers in Alberta. For even more tips, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow. Hi, I'm your host, Sandra Speronis. On this episode, we'll learn how to grow a new generation of green thumbs. Gardening, as many of you know, is a rewarding experience. Getting your children involved is even more so. Teaching kids about gardening at a young age helps them learn about the importance of local food while spending some quality time outdoors in the fresh air. Claudia Boley is a coordinator with Sustainable Food Edmonton. It's a nonprofit organization that builds communities around urban agriculture. She hosts garden clubs for kids and teaches children how to grow food in their own classrooms. Welcome to the podcast, Claudia. Thank you. So let's start off with your own journey. How were you introduced to gardening as a child? Um, Actually, I grew up on a farm. So food growing was part of my family's day-to-day activities. And so gardening was also part of that, although we actually did a lot of weeding. But uh, we helped, uh, you know, sort uh, potatoes that were harvested off the field and helped with, you know, all kinds of harvesting. So that was always just what we did on a seasonal basis. So when did your passion for gardening really blossom? You know, I think it was once I was um, moved into a home after university where we actually had a yard. And uh, I had, you know, sort of kind of gotten used to uh, grocery store food. But that kind of farmer came back out in me and I had to start a garden and then never looked back. I always continued wanting to grow my own food. How did you get involved with Sustainable Edmonton? Um, so at some point, um, there was an ad for uh, a volunteer to help with this project called City Farm, where we would try and connect kids with food growing and adventure play and exploring all kinds of different activities outside. And so I became involved with Sustainable Food Edmonton that way and eventually uh, became one of the uh, program coordinators for uh, basically a school program out at our an outdoor site near Riverman Gardens in the northeast Edmonton. And we also started up Little Green Thumbs for a, more of a winter, actually a winter program, indoor gardening uh, type of program. And can you tell me a little bit about that Little Green Thumbs program? Yeah, certainly. Things changed quite a bit uh, with the outdoor aspect. We eventually um, weren't able to continue that, but uh, Little Green Thumbs has been going since about 2007, 2008. So over 10 years now, and we have 55 schools that have an indoor garden in a classroom. And so kids start growing their seeds uh, sometimes in October, November, and other uh, teachers, they start their gardens after the new year. And they grow veggies uh, under grow light in earth boxes and grow boxes. And so it's a really nice way for kids to learn about the connection of food and learning how to grow plants and just do some taste testing and nibbling. And really, the teachers make it work for many different subject areas. They use the garden in many, many different ways. And so my role is to help with, you know, any gardening advice, but also the materials and equipment and that kind of thing. 
Right. What other kind of benefits does gardening provide for children? It is just a really great way for kids to learn about uh, nature cycles, the life cycles from seed to harvest and all the critters that are involved within that realm of the natural ecosystems and the cycles. What are some of the experiences that you gain personally from uh, teaching kids about all things growing and gardening? One of the really important aspects when it comes to food, actually, is is we all know that a lot of folks don't necessarily eat as healthy as they could. And one of the important things would be to increase their vegetable and fruit intake. And so for children to be part of the growing cycle is really such an important early and easy step for them to taste more uh, different types of vegetables and just becoming normal that it's part of the meal and and a good portion of the meal can be uh, vegetables and fruit and just to, you know, experiment and develop a taste for different things and also connecting to the wider world of food production. So learning about farming and learning about the producers and the gardeners in the neighborhood that grow the food that they eat. So it's really important uh, to the food connection, but then also about learning about the ecosystems that sustain all of us, whether it's the water cycle and even so many kids are afraid of bugs of different kinds, but when they are engaged in gardening activities, there is a more natural sort of relationship that they've developed with the earthworms and the bees and, you know, the different bugs that might be beneficial or that maybe we don't really want to have in the garden. So again, it's about connecting kids with the wide world of of the ecosystem that sustains us. What kind of vegetables and plants do you grow with the children? So it's really just kind of unlimited. Uh, It just depends on uh, what families enjoy. Kids always like carrots. They uh, sometimes like cherry tomatoes, some don't. But it really is about exploring what kids might like. Peas are always a favorite. And then it can also be about interesting shapes or things like squashes or pumpkins. And of course, then the creativity of the cook also comes into play. So what you do with it, you know, if a zucchini uh, isn't necessarily to uh, somebody's palate raw or fresh, well, it can be made into muffins or grated into pancakes and that kind of thing. So really, there are many, many different choices for vegetables that grow well in Edmonton or in, in our province. And then it's kind of see what, you know, what fits each each uh, other's palate. What advice do you have for parents who want to in- introduce their kids to growing veggies, plants and flowers? So I think it uh, is a good idea to kind of follow along with the seasons or try to find connections to dif- different seasons. Because there are times when there isn't that much to do in the garden or there isn't a whole lot happening, but there's always something interesting outside, right? There's always something interesting that can happen, whether it's in the backyard or on a nature walk or in a park. So it can start, of course, with starting uh, seeds inside. And, you know, for younger children, bigger seeds are really helpful, like the beans and the peas, even nasturtiums or sunflowers. And then, uh, you know, plant a little bit of extra and always be prepared that, you know, some things don't work out. And even as a very uh, seasoned gardener, there are always some things that don't do well or some complete failures as well. So we just plant a little bit of extra and accept some of the losses. 
But, you know, then it comes to at some point in, you know, May, June, we plant outside. So it could be transplanting seedlings from the inside to the outside and uh, or going to a garden center and selecting things that the kids like and planting them into pots or into into the garden, into a garden bed. And then in at this time of year now, as the season progresses, we uh, need to start thinking about supporting plants. And so there's many different ways we can do that. We just had this heat wave. Well, one of the ways to protect plants, if we were not uh, off camping like myself, would be to make sure that there's some mulch around the plants, you know, so that could be dry leaves, maybe some wood chips. Straw can work really well uh, in veggie gardens if you have access to that. And um, plants, some of the plants need, you know, some staking. So bamboo sticks or twigs that uh, have been collected on a nature walk. So beans, peas, they, they can uh, benefit from some supports. And uh, then we also need to look at, again, the watering. How can we uh, maybe set up some water barrels and have some fun playing around, you know, with sprinklers and just when, especially when it's hot. And think about other creatures such as the bees and the birds. Do they have the water that they need, right? So we could set up some a bird bath or just a, a shallow dish and keep water in it and some rocks so that the birds or the bees or other insects can land on the rocks and not drown in the water. Even just putting a piece of plywood underneath um, an outdoor tap and letting it just drip, drip, drip a little bit, that can be a sort of a damp spot where bees and butterflies can go and get some water. And um, again, when it's super hot and we want to be maybe lounging a little bit outside in the shade, are there things like a hammock that would make sense to put in the garden or a reading corner? And maybe the kids just want to play and set up a little fairy garden or a little water feature. It's, you know, I have a, a small sort of a, a fish pond or aquarium, an old aquarium bowl that I, I'm not using for fish anymore, but uh, I place some stones in it and a little bit of a, a gurgling kind of water feature with a solar panel. So it's just a, a small water feature you can set up and take down easily. It's nothing permanent. And uh, yeah, so really just setting up a nice space in, in the yard or even on a balcony where, you know, a person can lounge and just enjoy um being outside. Do you have any advice for um, parents who are in small spaces like patios? Yeah, actually, one of the, I mean, you know, with, with patios, of course, you are definitely limited. And some annual flowers are wonderful, like grow, easy to grow marigolds and uh, things like cosmos or petunias and things like that. Um, one of the activities I've done with kids as, you know, flowers are already in bloom um, and when it's, you know, when it can be quite hot would be to create a magic potion, right? So to collect some flowers, maybe go for a nature walk. And if there's um, still lilacs blooming or something like that, just pinching off little samples of some of the wild plants could be even dandelions. And uh, putting them in a jar with water and then shaking them and, and see if some of the smells transfer into the water. And that can be poured into a spray bottle and we can spray each other just for, for keeping cool, right? So it can be uh, just using some of the material, um, whether it's from a few flowers and just picking a few samples or when we go for a walk and then using those plants for, like I said, a magic potion or a spray 
or then, um, you know, pressing them, gluing them onto uh, making cards, or also if you lay flower petals on a piece of wax paper and then place a piece of fabric on top, you can gently tap with a hammer and that pigment from the flowers will transfer into the fabric and you can make like um, bookmarks or little flags or something like that. So there's many things we can do. We could, you know, from uh, edible flowers such as borage, we can take the flowers, put them in an ice cube tray and add water and then freeze them. So again, we're using some of the garden produce, even though it's not veggies, but we are using the plants for some fun or even a drink or activities. Right. How do you keep kids from getting discouraged when gardening mishaps happen, like a plant that doesn't produce or a flower that dies? Yeah. And I mean, that, again, happens uh, to all of us. And so it's really important to, you know, talk about it as not being the gardener's fault necessarily, although sometimes, of course, that can happen. We're forgetful, but um, that there are many factors and that some plants, you know, just maybe didn't even get a really good start. The seed wasn't as strong as some other seeds, and then it maybe didn't get to all the, the needs uh, met. So we can, we have to accept the loss, but we can uh, basically give the plant back to the earth by composting it if that's possible. And just, yeah, talk about it as being part of the natural cycle. Are there easy veggies or fruits that kids can get into growing for the first time? You know, I think it kind of depends a little bit too on what uh, parents feel comfortable trying out. Again, beans, once in, you know, it's warm in June, uh, they usually do really well. A little bit earlier in May, the peas can do really well. But it's a little bit about experimenting with diversity too. Like as, you know, said, I usually, I grow a lot of different things and there are sometimes complete losses of one particular type of you know, maybe last year the peas did really well and this year they didn't. So it's just trying a few different things and accepting that not all all things will work out. You know, you can buy uh, lettuce seedlings at garden centers or, again, seeds like big seeds like peas and bees are e- easy to start from seed. And then plants like um, sunflowers are easy to grow. And while they're not a vegetable, you you know, they're really beneficial for for the pollinators and can the seeds can be collected for for eating later on cherry tomatoes some of the very dwarf uh, uh, cherry tomato plants are great uh, because they fit into small pots and produce cherry tomatoes really quickly Uh, things like spinach and radishes are a little bit more tricky Uh, so sometimes gardeners want to beginner gardeners want to grow those but they might be best off uh, left for a little bit later on once uh, gardeners have more experience. And what's the best way to continue your children's gardening adventures over the fall and winter months? Um, In terms of the fall, of course, you know, there may be some harvest. Hopefully there might be some harvest, but even helping uh, to do, you know, there can be scavenger hunts looking for uh, animals, maybe starting to prepare uh, for winter or looking to collect food for for the winter. Um, We can help to prepare the garden for the fall and winter. Actually, even uh, late fall can be a good time. There's things like planting garlic, uh, planting tulip bulbs, 
and uh, doing some composting. That's a great time collecting leaves uh, to use in, in the compost throughout the winter and even spreading leaves on some, some of the garden beds. And then, yeah, kind of protecting plants for the winter season. If there are uh, small berry bushes or fruit trees, we want to put a wire cage around them so that the the rabbits might, you know, or even some of the voles don't damage any young kind of plants. So kids can be helping with any of that as well. And again, if it's not presented as a chore, but an opportunity to help the garden uh, get ready for winter, then hopefully the kids would be interested in helping out and just letting them play in the leaves or, you know, making uh, some mud pies or something fun like that as well. And in terms of the winter months, would you recommend uh trying indoor gardening with your children? Actually, the city has had um, a bit of a winterscaping contest. And so there has been an encouragement for Edmonton families to um, get out into the yard and create some interesting winter uh, landscapes with snow or using colored water like a spray bottle and or even freezing you know colored water into shapes like in buckets or or yogurt containers and then creating some kind of a statue or uh, some kind of a sculpture so as an adult we might think about what does the landscape look like in winter and are there certain things we could add if we don't have too many plants already but you know uh Things like tall grasses that we can leave standing and they sway in the wind and just, uh, you know, even when we have snow, they look interesting. So there's, of course, a whole sort of um, field of landscaping for winter as well. But uh, really just finding ways to uh, look what's going on in in the yard in the winter or hanging up uh, seed treats for the birds or uh, interesting kind of ice sculptures, as I mentioned as well, to make the landscape more interesting. Thank you, Claudia, for joining us on Good to Grow. You're most welcome. Claudia Boley is with Sustainable Food Edmonton. It's a nonprofit that supports projects and programs that help build communities around urban agriculture. She also hosts garden clubs for kids and helps get children excited about gardening in the classroom. Growing your own food or flowers? Drop us a line at Good to grow at ama.ab.ca. We might feature you in a segment we call The Plot Thickens. This segment is all about you. We want to know what you're growing, what gardening means to you, or any questions you might have about growing food and flowers in Alberta. In this installment of The Plot Thickens, we hear about an Edmonton gardener's battle with beetles. Hi, I'm Alana Delane of Edmonton, and I'm at war with the red lily beetle in my garden. I have several different types of lily plants and two years ago I didn't get to see them bloom because of this red beetle. I'd never seen it before so I did some research on it and found out the only way uh, I could potentially save my plants was to dig them up and split the roots and make sure that there were no beetles on the roots. So that's what I did. Last year, in order to make sure that my lilies actually bloomed, I went out every single day and would pluck two to three of these beetles off of my plants and kill them. I was very fortunate and only lost one plant which had some eggs on it, so I had to take the leaves with the eggs on them and put them into soapy water in order to 
prevent more beetles from surviving. But yeah, that's my issue in my garden is my battle with these beetles. Thanks, Alana. On next week's episode, we'll talk more about red lily beetles with master gardener Donna Balzer. Share your gardening adventures or questions with us, and you might be featured in an upcoming installment of The Plot Thickens. Send an email or voice recording to goodtogrow at ama.ab.ca. Thanks for listening to AMA's Good to Grow podcast. I'm Sandra Speronis. Happy gardening! Good to Grow is produced by the Alberta Motor Association. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For even more gardening tips and tales, join our Facebook community, AMA Good to Grow. 